You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 596 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland. It is officially Monday morning, and that means it's officially July. Free agency started with a bang on Sunday, um, well before the 6 o'clock start time around the league. There were uh, plenty of things flying around from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving heading to Brooklyn to uh, a weird sign-and-trade late in the evening that landed D'Angelo Russell in Oakland to, I guess, quote-unquote, replace Kevin Durant. Uh, There's a Jimmy Butler sign-and-trade. There's the Sixers overhauling their roster with Al Horford. There's all kinds of craziness that happened in the league on Sunday, and uh, it pretty much hasn't stopped even now as as I record this at 12.30 a.m., Eastern time um, on the East Coast. Yeah, it's interesting to just talk about all the stuff that's transpired. The Hawks were not necessarily involved in a lot of it. Um, One of the uh, tangential Hawks rumors ended up already kind of expiring and forced me to record this podcast for a second time. We'll get to to that in a moment. But first things first, uh, I'm going to address the two direct Hawks things that have transpired in the last couple of days. First and foremost is Dwayne Dedman is officially not going to be returning to the Hawks. He uh, multiple reports multiple reports have it to where Dedman has agreed to a three year contract in the neighborhood of forty to forty one million dollars with the Sacramento Kings. Um, that is not a huge surprise. I guess Sacramento was not have been the destination that I would have predicted necessarily, but Dedman fits basically anywhere. Something I was talking about quite a bit during the playoffs and after the playoffs. Dedman's package of uh, perimeter shooting offensively and just his utility in that regard uh, combined with his defensive ability to protect the rim and also play in space made him a priority for a lot of different teams. I had been hearing over the last few days that he was going to get a significant sum of money to the point where the Hawks would not have the uh, built-in advantage for some of the way we thought that the Hawks being able to go above and beyond the MLE, the mid-level exception, would have been an advantage on their part, but obviously he had offers that was uh, bigger than that. And Dedman ended up signing for three years and $40 million or so. I think if I was the Hawks, I would have gone to two years with about as much space as the Hawks had. So something in the neighborhood of two years, $28, 29000000 million, somewhere in there, um, as my final offer for Atlanta. They might have done that. I actually would, would, would be surprised if they did. I think they um, probably wanted to get, have him back on a one-year deal, maybe even a two-year deal that had a little bit less money guaranteed in year two, perhaps. But... All that to say, the Kings came correct with a big-time offer, and Deadman is going to be heading out to the West Coast, where he spent some pre- some previous time, also played college basketball at USC, a long way from Sacramento, but still out in the Pacific time zone. And uh, Deadman earned it, frankly. Uh, I talked about this a second ago, but Deadman is the rare sort of unicorn type of player that can do a lot of different things on both, both ends of the floor. And as a result of that, he's a little bit older than you would love if you were a young team like Sacramento or even Atlanta, but... Debman is, in my mind, one of the top 20 or 25 centers in the entire league. He's a legitimate starting caliber center, and he will help the Kings uh, tremendously. You know, short-term stuff, the Hawks could certainly use Debman, and, and without him, the team is not as good as it would be with him uh, because, you know, Alex Len, I don't think, is as good as when Debman and, and beyond Alex Len, you get into a, a deeper drop-off. So just having Debman around, I think, cannot be overstated what, what kind of impact that actually made for the Hawks the last two seasons, and he took a massive step forward in Atlanta. In fact, this is by far the biggest payday of his career, and I'm happy for Dwayne as a result of that. He made about $14 
million dollars the last two years, which is obviously big time money, but that's different than making uh sort of you know 30, 40 million dollars in the way that he's going to be on this contract. So shouts to Dwayne Devin for that. We'll come back a, a little bit more on Dwayne in the future, perhaps, when we talk about roster building, but the fact that he's a perfect modern big man really seemed to help him out in the situation. It produced a lot of offers, and uh, Deadman uh, landed on his feet in a big way. So, congrats to Dwayne Deadman for that. Um, in terms of uh, in terms of the Hawks roster, we'll come back to this a little bit later. But the Hawks now have five big men on the roster available, um, and those guys are John Collins, who is obviously the clear number one of these guys. Um, but after that, you have a couple of uh, interesting pieces in Alex Len and Amari Spellman. You have the second round pick, number thirty four overall, in Bruno. Fernando, who the Hawks not technically signed just now, but they will be definitely doing so in the future. And then uh, Miles Plumley, the uh, incumbent veteran expiring contract guy who's probably a breaking breaking case of emergency kind of player. So only five bigs. I am on record as uh, saying that I, I do believe the Hawks need to sign someone. If they don't sign a big man at some point along the way, I will not kill them for that. They do have five bigs, and because guys like Collins and Spellman can play, can play center and because they have players on this roster between DeAndre Hunter and Solomon Hill, even Evan Turner could play some power forward. So they do have some versatility. I, I would still sign another big man. I've been saying that for a while now, but I'll say it again now after Debman is officially gone. I would be in the market for another big man, but I understand if they don't do that. So that kind of informs the way things will be breaking down in the future, including one guy we'll talk about in a few seconds. With that said, I want to take it to a quick break real quickly before we get into the rest of the podcast. So please um, take the time to listen to a word from our sponsors. We'll come back, talk about more Hawks things and NBA things after this quick break. All right, and we're back. The uh, second Hawks, directly related Hawks thing, is Justin Anderson. Um, this is the rare time when I was the first to break some news on Saturday afternoon and that Anderson was not tendered a qualifying offer from the Hawks. That is not a huge surprise in any way, shape, or form, considering it was more than $3 million that the Hawks would have had to offer Anderson in a tender in order to make him a restricted free agent. And honestly, he should have signed that, or probably would have signed that, based on his market and what it probably is going to look like. So the Hawks did not offer that. Again, not a huge surprise. I discussed that before with Jeff Siegel and other places on this podcast and in my written content. So not going to be a huge fallout here from the Anderson news, but I do think he's a rotation-capable player. In the NBA, the big question is his jump shot always, but he's a strong physical defender. I've always liked Anderson. It became sort of a almost a, a running theme of this podcast in the middle of the season that I thought Anderson should have played more for part of the year. And I, I do like him. I, I think I'm higher on him the most, but still, I would not have offered him the qualifying offer just because of the fact that it was so much money and compared to what his market actually is going to look like. Technically, the Hawks are still able to sign Anderson if they want to. Um, he would have to obviously agree to it. Um, but And they do have his, his cap hold on the books until and unless they renounce it. But I'm expecting the Hawks to move on from Anderson uh, entirely. They would. Uh, so basically, I've been all the cap space projections between early bird rights and whatever I've been citing and also on peachtroops.com, we've all, we've all kind of been assuming that Anderson's cap hold will, will be renounced. So just keep that in mind when anything is going on here. But this is, again, a, a pretty widely expected move. And we talked about it before but it's now official. No qualifying offer for just for Justin Anderson, and uh, that's just a little bit of housekeeping that I wanted to get to before the rest of the podcast. The other big thing that uh, came and went in uh, in a hurry earlier on Sunday is that the Hawks had reported interest in Derek Favors um, from the Utah Jazz, the local product who actually played uh, high school basketball at South Atlanta and then Georgia Tech. He's been in Utah for quite some time now after being a top five pick in the NBA draft. Um, I talked through this a little bit on a, on a now-deleted podcast episode that no one will ever hear, but Favors had a big-ticket contract that was non-guaranteed. Um, in the end, though, he's going to be traded and then probably has 
I guess already could have been officially traded, but the word broke earlier in the evening that he's uh, that that interest, which I document on PeachtreeHoops.com and on my Twitter feed, is uh, probably not going to matter in any way, shape, or form because he's going to be on his way to New Orleans to uh, function with the Pelicans. Um, ironically, the Pelicans will be using the cap space created, uh, at least in part, by the Solomon Hill contract dump that they were able to execute with the Hawks. And uh, in, on the flip side, the Hawks would not have had the full cap space to trade for favors immediately because of the because of the Solomon Hill, Solomon Hill contract. So kind of an interesting dichotomy there of one team who created a bunch of space dumping a guy, and the Hawks used some of their space to um, obviously move up and take DeAndre Hunter, which is the big part of that deal, but just kind of a, a funny uh, the way things work in the NBA kind of thing. The Hawks could have made this happen if they wanted to. Um, I've not, not seen necessarily at this moment the uh, package and return for favors for New Orleans, but the Hawks could have done this if they wanted to, uh, you know, use someone like Donovan Bembry, etc., to go ahead and make that make, make that trade happen. Um, that would obviously require Utah to want whatever the Hawks were sending them. But at the end of the day, um, he's gonna he's not gonna be an option. But I wanted to at least address that because it was reported by Tony Jones, and I wrote about it a little bit. So favors would have been a nice a nice fever dream for me. I have been talking about favors in Atlanta for three, four, five months now with Jeff Siegel, both privately privately and publicly on this podcast and on Twitter. But it would have been an awesome fit, but no longer a possibility for the Hawks. And they'll have to keep looking elsewhere if they want to add a sixth big man to the mix. One such possibility is Kyle O'Quinn, the only other guy the Hawks have been reportedly linked to so far in free agency outside of the building in Atlanta, outside of Deadman and whatever else. The only other guy um, is Kyle O'Quinn. That was an Alex Kennedy report on Sunday. He was listed alongside the Hawks, list, I should say, alongside uh, the Magic, Sixers, Knicks, and Chicago Bulls. Worth pointing out that Philly and New York have both spent big time money on bigs, so probably not going to be in the mix for those guys anymore. But the 29 year old uh, big man, 6'10. 250. Um, not really a shooter at this point in time, but a good rebounder. I've always liked Kyle Quinn as a physical role player. Hawks fans might remember that uh, that actually um, he was ejected last season during the last game of the season um, against the Hawks while playing for the Pacers. That was a sort of a memorable moment that I was reminded of on Twitter at when the uh, word broke that he was uh, at least linked in somewhat of a way to the Hawks. I included him briefly in a wide-ranging list that I posted at futurehoops.com of uh, potential targets for the Hawks as a depth piece. You know, for instance, this is not a sexy hire, uh, sorry, a sexy um, signing if it would have happened for Kyle Quinn because he's really just a bench player and a, an interesting rotation guy. Nothing really beyond that. He's not as good as Alex Len, for instance. The Hawks could go in again, as I said before. The Hawks could go in the season with their current rotation, but I am on record as wanting somebody else to be included, and O'Quinn would be a low-cost, probably interesting slash also kind of boring because he's just kind of a solid NBA player, not not too much more than that option. And I'm not sure, you know, my own personal reporting, I'm not really sure how much interest there is, but it was at least, uh, I guess, posited out there, so I wanted to reference that and uh, pass that along to you. But Kyle O'Quinn... Would, would, would check the box as someone who you know is better than Miles Plumley, for instance, that the Hawks could certainly use on their roster, but just obviously would be a sharp downgrade from Dwayne Dedman, and I think Alex Len's better than him as well. So nothing terribly sexy. We'll come back to that if there's any more news on Kyle O'Quinn. Last thing on the agenda for this probably pretty short podcast, you know, because most of the time things are going to be changing rapidly when it comes to free agency. Last thing here, the Brooklyn Nets were able to pull off the coup that is uh, getting Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, as well as Garrett Temple and DeAndre Jordan, all to Brooklyn. Um, I'm, on, I'm on record as saying that Jordan doesn't really help them all that much, but uh, Temple definitely does, and then, of course, Katie and Kyrie obviously do. The Hawks have the 2020 first-round pick from Brooklyn uh, as part of the Torian Prince-Allen Crab swap. That's lottery-protected, so the Hawks are going to be uh, 
very closely monitoring Brooklyn throughout the season. Um, so if you're a Hawks fan, you the best possible scenario would be the Nets getting the eight seed in the East, and that would that would provide the pick in a somewhere in the 16-17 range for the Hawks, 15-16-17 range for the Hawks. Um, that seems to be a little bit low, but at the same time, the fact that Kevin Durant will not be playing much, if at all, during the regular season definitely limits the ceiling of Brooklyn and probably provides a nice scenario for the Hawks, honestly. I think currently on paper, the Nets are a playoff team in the East, but they're not as good um, as teams like Milwaukee or the retooled Sixers or, you know, there's all there's some top-tier interesting candidates of teams that they are not quite as good at. So, you know, Toronto, obviously, if Kawhi Leonard were to go back there, they would not be as good as Toronto. So, um, you know, Brooklyn, without KD for the regular season, Kyrie definitely helps them. He's better than D'Angelo Russell, but he isn't going to single-handedly carry them to 60 wins or anything like that. So it's probably a pretty good scenario. They do have, uh, obviously, Kyrie Irving, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert, Jared Allen. They have some interesting supporting pieces as well, but you got you got to see what the rest of the roster looks like, what, what the rest of the, of the East looks like. But I think for me, Brooklyn will be projected somewhere in the early 20s for that pick, maybe even late teens, and that's a pretty good scenario for the Hawks, as that as that is concerned. We're obviously going to be talking about that pick all the way through the season, as sort of just trying to figure out where it's, where it's going to land for the Hawks. And I do think that. Um, a lot more likely than not that that pick will be conveying because Brooklyn just needs to make the playoffs. And even unless something weird happens with Kyrie or injury wise, they're still a top eight team in the Eastern Conference, but not necessarily a situation where, um, you know, for instance, if they have paired Kyrie with Jimmy Butler, that would not be as good for Brooklyn long term, but it would, but it would have been better um, for them short term because KD can't play. Um, but so for the Hawks, this is kind of a great scenario, honestly. I think it would definitely be possible for them to be like the six or seven seed in the East, and that's a pretty good spot to be in. So we'll talk about that much more as we get going here. But um, that's something to keep an eye on. And again, lottery protected 2020 pick coming to the Hawks from Brooklyn, and uh, we'll we'll cover that as it unfolds. So with that said, I'm gonna cut it short on this podcast. You know, anytime we get a rumor or any obviously a signing or of any sort like that, we'll come back and talk about it on the podcast. If nothing happens on Monday, because the biggest thing here and sort of wrap things up on this podcast is that Travis Schlenk sort of warned everybody coming into um, the offseason that they were not going to be first out of the gate in free agency, and they certainly weren't. Obviously, the Deadman the, De- the Deadman domino did fall. That was not with the Hawks. It's obviously relevant because he was on the Hawks the last two seasons. But no surprise whatsoever from me and anyone that's covering this team closely is that you know Travis Schlenk, you know said on the record, off the record, etc., that they were not going to be running out of the gate here quickly, and they didn't do that on Sunday. So it could happen overnight, could happen Monday, could they could wait till Tuesday. The summer league roster is probably going to be dropping Monday or Tuesday somewhere around there, so we'll have that to cover as well in advance of that. And the Hawks don't play until Saturday in Las Vegas, but there'll be some rumors, almost certainly, maybe not of the sexy variety like Kyle O'Quinn, or maybe a little bit more high profile like Derek Favors. But we'll cover all of them. You know, I'll have a podcast every day or two based on what's going to happen. And then once we get to Las Vegas and there's actual games happening, we'll be obviously covering all of those as soon as they're over, talking about what happened and what, how guys looked, etc., and covering the, the latest news over the next couple of weeks. So no firm schedule on the podcast because there's just not time for a schedule right now. Um, I'm uh, you know we're, we're into the 1 a.m. range as I'm talking to you, and I'm sure my brain cells are dying one by one. But 
Uh, we will come back in the uh, very near term somewhere, whether it be Monday night or Tuesday night or something like that, um, in the, to, to sort of wrap up all the rumors. And if the Hawks do anything in terms of uh, in terms of the signing, they still have for, you know $14 million or so in cap space. Could be up to 15 plus if they were to move on from Jalen Adams. So they do have some flexibility, and they do have a roster spot or two to play with here. So keep an eye on the Hawks. We'll talk much more about that. In the meantime, go back and listen to what I, you know, to the last podcast that I did with Jeff Siegel. That was a free agency preview. Uh, most of the stuff that we talked about, honestly, is still relevant as of today. There are some of the players that are off the market, but still, um, most of those themes were uh, Hawks-driven, and because the Hawks haven't done too much yet, they're still pretty relevant. So go back and check that out. Please subscribe to this podcast, rate, review, tell your friends, and we'll be back again later in the week. So stay tuned for that.